0: Right on. I'm like, is it too early for beer? I'm like, well, not in New York. It's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> <So> true. <laughs> true. True. No, I,
1: I definitely drink significantly less now.
0: Yeah, I, I have been too. Like we, uh, Melissa and I went to see the Psychedelic furs a couple nights ago. Nice. And uh, I was like, I was designated driver, but we went early enough that I could, I could definitely could have drank, you know, we went in early, like to Huntington and had, you know dinner and drinks because it was at the paramount right but uh i was just like eh, i'm good like i want to enjoy it i was like you drink i'll drive you don't have to worry about it (laughs) you know right be the be the good partner you
1: know how were they
0: oh they were amazing i was thinking to myself i'm like this dude's been singing pretty in pink for 41 years and he still sounds awesome
1: i went to go see them like oh god what was it like 2000? Eleven, no, no, like 2013, I think, mm-hmm. it, at Irving Plaza, and I kid you not, it's probably the most fights I've ever seen at a show in my life. Really? Wow!
0: Yeah. Because it, it was I'm a team crowd, saying, like
1: more than like Mad Ball, Slayer, <laughs> like fans, like it was crazy. Yeah. Like how and 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 I think and I think I uh, like I think the determine the determination I made for it is that. You know, when you go to see like extreme music, it's like everybody collectively is really happy to be there. Like, and there's just like a th- there's just a social contract in there that like the you know, this is gonna yeah. be an intense show and this is gonna be the way that it is. And you have like real showgoers, like people right. that go see live music all the time. Whereas I think, you know, psychedelic furs at like Irving Plaza is definitely a lot of like bridge and tunnel couples and you yes. know like union workers and cops and fire firemen that are like taking their <laughs> lives to see psychedelic furs because they like yeah. the pretty pink song and they just don't know how to act at a show oh and, it's like, so true you know it's like somebody shoves past them or something and it's like <laughs> turns into an all-out brawl but i could not believe it like it was <laughs> like I, I, after a while i was like babe we gotta my my ex and i were there i'm like we gotta stand in the back like this is this is violent
0: yeah, because next thing you know, like, you're in the middle of, like, two, like, angry middle-aged dudes that hate their lives throwing punches, and you don't want to be a part of that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it
0: was a, it was a pretty team crowd. <clears throat> and, uh, and it was crazy. also at the Paramount, you know, so it was, it was Long Island. It also yeah. happened to be St. Patrick's Day. So oh. it's like, <laughs> which I was like, I can't believe I'm going into Huntington Village on St. Patrick's Day. I was like, if I, like, Guido's throwing up like green beer because it's the one night that's like yeah cool Irish and I'm like nah. normally I would stay home (laughs) drink red wine and watch Netflix and be (laughs) none the wiser but COVID kept bumping the show um so it just happened to be on St. Patrick's Day and I was like all right so we're doing this (laughs) you know (laughs) I mean COVID's bumped so many shows now it's like this whole week which is kind of cool because my birthday is next week So I was like, I've got like all this stuff going on show wise, which is kind of a good problem to have since we were stuck for so long, not being able to do it. You know, going to see Touche Amore at Irving Plaza Sunday, going to see Henry Rollins Thursday. Guys like, you know, on my Mount Rushmore of human beings, I want to be like, Mm -hmm. you know, then I'm going to see Quicksand Saturday.
1: Oh, awesome.
0: Yeah. So it's just, I was like, all right, it is what it is. I won't sleep a lot this week. But I'm about to turn 44, and this is my fountain of youth. It's music, live music nonetheless. So let's roll with it.
1: (laughs) Happy early birthday.
0: Thank you, my friend. Uh, So let me give an actual introduction here. Uh, Thanks for uh, hanging out. This is the Nobody Speaks podcast. I'm Antonio Longo. I'm here with uh, Travis Bacon coming to me from L.A. So what's up, buddy? How are you?
1: Doing all right. How are you?
0: Uh, Pretty good, thank God, you know, like the weather's warming up here in New York, I'm loving it, Um, I'm like, get me out of my heavy coat and my sweatshirts, please, I want to see the warm weather so I can hang out outside, and (laughs) it's just been a very, uh, it's been a strange winter here in New York, you know, Uh, things are just finally starting to open it up, so it feels a little more normal, but uh, how's it been in LA, as far as like things opening back up?
1: Things have been open for a while um you know it's like anywhere else it opens and then and then it closes and then it opens and it closes and everything we uh we took away the mask mandate recently which i'm definitely enjoying but kind of anticipating we're gonna go right back into that uh yeah but
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, Um,
1: but you know it's been nice like i've same same here i've been to a ton of shows in the last couple weeks which has been awesome um yeah and yeah feels good feels good yeah
0: to- what 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 was a, a good standout uh show that you went to that you're like oh finally mm.
1: uh immolation i saw the other day which is really awesome i uh, haven't seen them and i haven't seen them in a while and they're uh old friends of mine as well um i used to tour do front of house for them for a while and then um you know, I've never been, like, a huge fan of this band, but was really happy to just have, like, the, the live experience, uh, When I went to see Uncle Asin and the Deadbeats the other night. Oh, that's cool. At a place over here called Belasco Theater. Yeah, they're kind of one of those bands for me that I just wasn't really on the train when everyone was into them, but... I think, well, not that people aren't still into them, but they definitely had like a really good push when they they're, first- their
0: big moment in time. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, but like, anytime I heard it in passing, you know, I, I'm I'm not like, I, I, I'm just a little choosy when it comes to that genre. Um, okay. Stoner rock, stoner metal. But anytime yeah. I heard it in passing, I'm like, okay, this band, this band writes some real songs. So it was cool being- reminded of that in the uh, live experience. So. And yeah,
0: it's always so much different live, too. There, there are those bands for me that um, maybe I don't grav- towards, to- gravitate towards towards like <clears throat> their records, per se, but I know that they have something. And if they're playing live and it's a situation of people I want to see are going to be there or there's another band playing, I kind of go in with that open mind. And there have been plenty of bands that I heard their records and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then I went to see them live, and I was like, "Oh, okay," you know. And uh, to me, that's 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 the big test, you know. Uh, when Circa Survive first came out, with uh, Anthony Green coming back after doing Seosin for a really short time, you know, like they just had that one EP with him. Um, my my ex wife at the time loved them, and I was like, "Cool, we'll go see them play." It's like, "Whatever, it's you know, it's totally fine. I'm not gonna hate it, you know. I'll go hang out." Um, and then he kind of came out on stage and uh, it was at the knitting factory before it moved to Brooklyn. So it was that um, like, smaller yeah. room. That's it the was,
1: tiny corner stage. I remember. Yeah.
0: I loved that place. Awesome. And um, you know, we kind of moseyed in from the bar. Um, he comes out, the band's putting on their guitars, the lights are low and he just moves his hands out like this and goes like that. And the whole crowd moves naturally. They, they, start playing and the dude puts the microphone to his chest and starts singing and I can hear him over everything. And I was like, Oh, now I get it. (laughs) You know, I was like, cool. And it was like a really great show, super fun experience. And it even made going back and listening to their records better. And, you know, then, uh, you know, I got more into it, but it was, it was, it was really the live performance that did it for me. It was the night, the atmosphere, you know, because I know, you know, I've been in a million recording studios in my day, um, and, you know, some big ones, some in corners, some in holes, some in basements. And I know you can make a good record, you know, uh, but can you put your money where your mouth is? And, you know, he was one of those guys that did it. And I was like, all right, cool. I <laughs> respect.
1: Awesome. Yeah, he's a good performer. I did. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the band or anything, but he came over to a venue I was working at out here called uh, Moroccan Lounge. And I did front of house for him and he was... I, he was just great. To, like, I just really liked him anyway. Just such a, yeah. Suit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've, I've met him like once or twice. He's good friends with some of my good friends and you know, no you one's know. ever had a bad thing to say about him. He's just one of those guys that's just kind of, you know, doesn't let ego go to his head even when they're as big wow. as they are. And I was like, cool, you know, like good dude. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, we, we first met actually at a show uh, when New York started to open up again, which yes. is Nitzireb, um, which was my first time seeing them uh and unfortunately i mean i didn't get to see the the full them but it's still a great show um you know um melissa took me out to that one i was pretty excited for it because again it was the first time i was love kind of seeing a band i haven't seen before you know now after covid i kind of appreciate that a little bit more and it's like i try not to say no to some things because i one of my biggest regrets in life is turning down tom petty tickets to nassau coliseum literally like months before he died and i'm like fuck you know it's just one of those things and i'm like god damn it you know (laughs) yeah you know, just as a, as a songwriter you know he's written uh, the way that that man wrote songs for me was just uh you know the catchiness to it the sometimes simplicity i always respected and I, I was like really wanted to see him but it was just a lot going on and boom you know like that it was gone so you know anytime i get a chance to something like that i'm like all right cool let's go
1: yeah um, you know
0: and uh you know for me for me too it, as i have opened my mind to like more and more music you know growing up a hardcore kid in 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 New York you know it's like you were kind we were kind of sandwiched into this this thing and you know growing up you know my mom was listening to you know the Beatles, Joan Baez like stuff like that Bob Dylan Um, but then when I found music my own it was more metal and hardcore Mm -hmm. and then as I got older I've you know opened my mind to you know my my favorite band is you know, the cure. So even that was different than what I was listening to hardcore wise. So, um, you know, when Melissa and I first met each other, we spent an entire, like seven hours at a bar talking about, you know, David Bowie and Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode. Um, And, you know, since then we've just, we've been giving each other over the last almost three years, like music back and forth. So that was one of those nights that was like, this is her giving me one of her favorites. And I was like, oh, this is, it was, it was great. You know, those kinds of bonds are things that, you know, really make things uh, grow. So it was super awesome night. Uh, They were fantastic, even down a major member. And, um, you know, uh, you know, you being in LA, well, in California, now you're, you're home for a little while. So I'm glad we got to have that connection. And you agreed to hang out and do this podcast with me, talk a little music. Um, As you know, uh, you've kind of announced on social media that you've really been, you know, putting out there your music now that you've been scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, so as someone who's been a touring musician in many bands, um, and it's funny because, you know, I, I didn't realize I have seen you play before in Black Anvil at oh. St. Vitus. Um, and then I've seen Black Anvil after you and, the, you know, with my friend Gary Bennett from Kill Your before me. Gary was oh Gary was before you that's right
1: yeah Uh, Paul Gary and Ray started that band
0: yeah yeah and then uh I know my my buddy Mike D is just did a little run with them just now also so Mm -hmm. I was like oh man I was like we actually uh we 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 share some other connections aside from my fiance I was like oh this is pretty cool I was like I you know I never put two and two together uh but Black Anvil I've always uh always loved and and was kind of into and respected and um really cool uh you know then you have uh contra cult collective which is something else that you know i dove into uh a- after we met i was like oh let me check out the music i'm always i'm just all about so when i meet good people i want to check out their music and support it uh you know and it's got a really cool vibe to it it's um uh, i love music that doesn't shove itself into one genre you know yeah you, actually- you hear like some metal in there. You've got melodies, but you've got this aggression and this other part of it. You know, there's the little little electronics, the little this, the little that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, when 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 music doesn't have a, a box to shove it in, is when I really find it, you know, most hitting. Um, but now you've, uh, you know, I is it COVID that's really had you pushed a little bit more into doing. You know, scoring and things like that, or is this something that you naturally shifted towards? Like, where where did that kind of that little bit of a transition happen?
1: Well, I actually <clears throat> I actually got the uh, opportunity to score my first film um, back in two thousand sixteen. That wanna... story of
0: a girl. Story of a girl. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that was kind of my introduction to it. Uh, my my mom directed that movie. And she had talked to me about maybe trying to bring me on as a music supervisor. Mm-hmm. And, and as I started thinking about it and reading the, and I like read the script, um, I had a really good friend named Dean Bautilonis, shout out to him, incredible producer and engineer, used to own a studio called Atomic and then eventually went to own a studio called Wild Arctic. He's worked on records for... American Nightmare, Madball, uh, No Warning, like tons of hardcore bands. And he start he like scored a film. And I was really, I was just really inspired by I always loved like film composition, but for some reason I just I just didn't think I was in that world. And I was like, well, wait, I I think I could do this. I grew up up around the music industry, or sorry, excuse me, the movie industry my whole life. And you know, I appreciate film music a lot. And yeah, she, uh, she, uh, took a chance on me and, uh, I did it and, you know, I made it my own. I did was definitely like challenging way outside of like most, you know, kind of sphere of aggressive music or anything, but, um, I was really happy with it. And then, you know, that just got me wanting to do more of it. And, um, so, you know, I took, uh, I definitely kind of felt not fell off of it, but sort of put it to the side when um, I was working heavily on Contra Cult stuff. We got an offer for a development deal through Roadrunner. So that just became my life's goal was like, I'm going to make this band work and I'm going to make this band big. And like, you know, I uh, this, this is cliche, but Trent Reznor, you know, is still w- probably my biggest... Uh, I don't like to use this term inspiration. I'm going to say inspiration. I don't like to use right. the title.
0: Yeah,
1: um, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I wanted, I want, I want his life in the sense that like, I think he has this really amazing balance that he can work on, you know, he works on nine inch nails and gets to tour with them and then also has this other side of his career. And I really, I really yeah. want that, but I just wasn't, uh, you know, the, the cult stuff was just taking up so much of my time. So my idea was, all right, I'm going to make this what it is. And then I'm going to, you know, also pursue my scoring career. And yeah, that didn't go exactly as I had anticipated as a lot of things do. And we kind of like just got started with Roadrunner and with release, re- releasing stuff and playing a show. Um, in february of 2020 and then you know we all know what happened after that so yeah it it definitely was an opportunity to kind of to start you know put pushing myself a little bit more into that i mean i had some other things going on i actually scored like i did do the score of this this score i just released for romance isn't dead which um Mm. is actually a uh it's it's actually like it's a porno. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's from a super cool um, alternative uh, queer porn website called Aorta Films. And um, I did another, I did another score for them uh, called Breathless as well, which is hopefully going to be released soon. So yeah, that happened before pandemic. And then during pandemic, I mean, you know, I was still working on, Contra cult stuff, but I really wanted. I I did, you know. I did have that. I did have that conscious decision of like, okay, I really need to take this more seriously. Also, partially because I was bummed at myself for not trying to pursue more of it because I felt like I would, you know, I would just have more to do during that. Yeah and you know I was like well shit like I spent I spent all this time and energy trying to make this band thing happen and now nobody can really make a band thing happen the same way and uh, you know I got to find something else to do and it definitely put a lot of things into perspective so I guess I guess for that reason I made a choice to take it equally as seriously as what I had going on
0: yeah Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit easier when it's something that you're kind of like writing and recording on your own and the world is shut down that you can kind of like really hone in on it as opposed to being in a practice space with band members writing songs or in a van touring. Um, uh, When you went to school for engineering and, and, and recording, was it anything in the back of your mind that was on your radar or was that, you know, so you're kind of you're in that middle point, you know, like you went to school for engineering. You're you, you have that background in growing up in in film and movies, but you had the desire to also write when you went to school. Was it I, I want to record and produce bands? Is it I want to record and produce my own stuff like or, you know, where was that at? Because it, it being the creative musician and um, I know that's that's this weird thing where sometimes you sit in the middle of a crossroads. Right. You know, like uh, when, when you went to school for that, what was the main focus? Like, where did you see yourself going?
1: <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, I, I I wanted to work on bands and artists, honestly. I didn't think, I didn't see film composition at all. I mean, the only, uh, my uncle, Michael Bacon, <clears throat> um, he he was kind of the only person like close to me that, did film composition as a career, and he's just so much more mu- musical. Well, let me think. Let me explain this. He's so much more musical in terms of theory than I am, and like, you know, he's he can actually notate stuff and like
0: write it down. And, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I can't read a lick of music. Like I'll write you a song, but don't ask me to read a lick of music.
1: Exactly. <laughs> tell you the truth, I think this was like, I think during that time it was kind of before. I mean. Obviously, it's not there. There were a lot of composers I was aware of, like uh, John Carpenter, and um, yeah. you know, um, uh, um, yeah, a few other like more synth-based artists that were doing film compositions. But I don't think I feel like it hadn't really taken the revolution that it has in like the last few years so i just i just didn't really think about it and at the time i really i just wanted to yeah i just wanted to record punk and hardcore and metal bands that was like that was my main focus like i wanted to i loved i loved like cripple i loved dean Baltalonas and like i just like wanted i wanted that you know i yeah. think i think kurt more so because i wanted to have a really active touring band as well um But I, that was, that was so much more my goal than like anything else than even like writing for, I don't know, or writing with other artists or any, anything along the lines of anything other than, you know, recording a good band and getting a great sound and (laughs) getting a great guitar sound. Like that was so much more my focus at the time.
0: Yeah, that was great too. Like to, to your point, when you went to school you got to kind of cross a little piece of that off your bucket list probably when recording burn right i mean i was like i was like oh i mean new york hardcore legends you know <laughs>
1: Definitely, that was a fun one
0: yeah i was uh well and when i when i saw that you recorded it because i remember when that came out because it popped up on my on my radar you know being a. Uh, you know, a hardcore kid first, you know, before yeah. meeting my goth queen. <laughs> I joke around with her all the time. She's like, I'm turning you goth. I'm like, I'm like, hey, listen, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just a guy that loves music. So you put good shit in front of me, I'm going to eat it up, you know. Um, so that that must have been a lot of fun to work with them. And then um, also the, you know, recent thing you've worked on with uh, Miss Trez, that's, uh, that was a killer track. Uh um, oh, thank you. T- took a listen to that, you know, and, you know, it's funny you said, you know, with, uh, you know, Trent Reznor being someone that's very, you know, inspiring to you as you're doing things. That was a kind of a interesting step for you as a producer, I'm sure, where now you have this female vocal that is a little different from the heavier stuff, but it has a heavy undertone to it. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, Trent Reznor being someone that not only scores films but you know core writes with other people i love how he expands himself outside of just what he is i mean you know i was just um new up, uh i don't know if you know or have met him or know of him but pete mills uh yeah, yeah he was just i just um he's good he's on the previous episode of the podcast with his man the sweet kill and um you know him also being someone that's a you know a producer and a writer we 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 ended up on that Trent Reznor talk as well, <laughs> you know, because he covered, uh, you know, Hurt, where he kind of blended that song with uh, with Fascination Street by the Cure, um, and you know him being someone that's you know also producing other artists and stuff. Uh, that must have been a fun one for you. It was a little bit of a step out of the norm. Uh, and it it really it it felt good that song that song you know the w- the production you did on that record she sounds great it still has this kind of dark beautiful undertone and and the aggression where it needs to be so was that a fun project to work on
1: really fun I love working with uh, Miss Trez Tiffany is her name um, <clears throat> yeah you know I um, she was one of the first artists that I worked with in. L.A., actually, because I think like I still really wanted to produce and, you know, work with other artists. But I think I made this I, when when I lived in New York, you know, like I kind of pigeonholed myself a little bit as far as the bands I wanted to work on because mm-hmm. I wanted to do punk and hardcore and metal so bad that, you know, I really went for it with that. And I've done, you know, ton, tons of records for bands that kind of fell under that sphere. And yeah, and then it kind of just, I I think as my musical taste expanded and I started getting like a little bit more into the darker stuff and, you know, especially like the music I played was more in line with that, with Contra Cult, I really wanted to shift my production credits to be more like that. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where you stay in a place for a long time and uh, you just kind of get known for that. And, you know, I just was, I just getting a little tired of it. Like um, I wasn't able to work with a lot of the same bands because I would raise my rates a little bit. And, you know, I just think uh, generally speaking, I think New York is a little bit more of a hobbyist place when it comes to playing in a band. Um, Obviously it's really expensive and there's just not a whole lot of music industry unless you do rap or pop or something Mm -hmm. Something along that lines so yeah I was like I was really adamant about trying to find cool artists that wanted to do stuff like this and I met her through my my girlfriend and uh that was the first track we worked on together we did another one called war that's cool and then um she's got one coming out eventually with me called ugly that I was really and I'm really stoked on to. And it's fun with her cuz she's super open to her sound and you know, she gets specific about things that she needs and she wants and ways to be but like she's very cool. It it it's it's really easy to work with her cuz she comes she takes my suggestions really seriously and she's not like you know, she doesn't come to me like I need a song that sounds like Chelsea Wolfe or I need a song that sounds like um i don't know like yeah or
0: even like how trent worked with halsey yeah i was I, i was like you know that that was definitely one of the surprise records of last year for me i was like wait a minute and i was like am i reading this right you know like yeah uh very very cool uh very cool marriage of two you know this kind of pop person and this you know and then trent being that and that that clicked together I was like whoa I was like this is awesome
1: yeah. uh,
0: you know that definitely just missed making my uh, probably top five records for last year um uh, that was a good one I actually bought that record on vinyl for uh Melissa for Christmas oh cool uh, <laughs> yeah as really, we build like... build our vinyl collection
1: yeah he's really good at just like putting his mark on things you know
0: yeah, yeah. with that he like it's like he doesn't take it over um cool. And, but he, he knows what it needs of what he's good at yeah. to give it something mm-hmm. without it like completely taking it over. Cause it that for someone like him, it could be easy to take that over, you know. Um, and, uh, Rose, um, I was just listening to the other day. Uh, uh, Spotify randomly gave me this like, hey, you know, here's a playlist of like songs of 1997. And, and, you know, that's the year A Perfect Drug came out. And, uh, that's why I was like, oh my God. I was like, I forgot, you know, like kind of when that song came out, how just like, how hitting and impactful it was. And then it was even bigger when I realized like how many years ago that was. I was like, God damn. I was like, I was like, it's, yeah. it's still so relevant, you know? Um, totally. Now, when, when you're doing these, these scores. Now, I know it's a little different probably on every project.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, are there some that you got to see parts of the film first, or was it just reading scripts? Um, you know, how, how did that work? How does that work?
1: Well, obviously for the adult content, there's not much of a script, so right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of times, so what, what I've gotten pretty uh what i've gotten pretty into recently and i learned from um my friend scott Hendricks, uh previously from a band called skeleton witch um we just worked on a he's he's a composer as well and we just worked on a film together um i can't give a name or talk too much about it okay. but um he you know, he had the, the he had this idea, he he gave the suggestion. He's like, you know, I work with this other composer. I think we should write something uh, which he calls like a suite. So it's sort of like a five minute block of music that basically is like a few cues, one into the other of like what we're kind of anticipating will be the theme for this. For what we what like we imagined in our heads, mm-hmm. and it was just based off of a script. And I tell you, every little, every piece of music that we did in that, that actually, you know, became like longer cues between, you know, uh, two, between one to three minute cues ended up in the movie. So, you know. Sometimes you just nail it. Sometimes I like it, it really helps to have the visual component. It's much better to have like locked picture and everything Mm -hmm. like that. But you know, I, I do pretty well just reading a script sometimes in and like, and that's, what's kind of, and that's what can be kind of fun about it. I mean, and then I've done, and then I've done the same thing and, none of the music gets moved, you know, we had yeah. none of the music in the film. And then I see the picture and I'm like, okay, that wasn't, that's not, that doesn't work with what I anticipated. So I guess it's different every time. And then sometimes you're in a situation where you have a, a stubborn director that uh, falls in love with a temp score and you just have to match that, which is not my favorite, but it happens.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's something that I've I've always kind of, you know, to me on my on my list of dream jobs, I've always thought about like, you know, uh, you know, writing songs for backgrounds of parts of movies or even like, even, a, even like putting together soundtracks or like what songs would go with movie because I do have that. I've always had a thing for that visual element of music, yeah. you know, it's always been something that I've been drawn to. You know, yeah. I think the closest thing I've had to it <laughs> thus far is uh, a song I wrote for a friend of mine, uh, Neil Rubenstein, who's like a stand-up comedian, yeah, slash musician. I don't know if you know Neil.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I mean not personally, but I know who he is. Personally.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I kind of uh, I wrote a little song for him because he's been doing uh, you know on his YouTube channel where he's just kind of as he's traveling doing his stand-up or and things through the country. Just he needs like background music to these film to just his videos where he's just talking about the cities that he's in what he eats there you know so I, I was like I was like dude I just, I wrote this song for you I recorded it real quick I sent it off to him and he threw it in one of his YouTube videos and I was like yeah <laughs> and like when I kind of saw it and heard it in the background I was like ah that's what I'm talking about you know as I get older and, and I'm a dad and you know you're busy you got a mortgage this that and the other thing I don't I don't desire the 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 touring as much anymore as I just desire the I want to add something to something I want to you know just I want to create you know for the sake of creating and 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 I I miss collaboration because for the last decade I've really mainly been just a a lonely singer songwriter it's like me and an acoustic guitar and I feel like I've just kind of hit the Hit the ceiling there, and I've been looking to work on new things. But that's something that I've always, I've always loved. You know, I mean, you know, I, I say this all the time when I'm talking movies with people, and I think about like, uh, like Forrest Gump. I'm like, if you took that badass motherfucking soundtrack away from that movie, the movie would have lost a lot. There, the the music had such a part to tell. You know. Um, in that it was like so wow. good for you sure. Know? Um, and I think, you know, being the cure fan that I am, one of my favorite cure songs ever is, is burn, you know, written for the crow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, there's, when there's I- something magical about the marrying of music and film that I really feel people aren't paying enough attention to these days. And I, I love movie soundtracks um i recently at my local record store picked up um the soundtrack uh, there's a uh to um oh my god why am i having a massive brain fire right now um there's like a few soundtracks that have always stood out to me for years obviously um being a music nerd and a and a, and a film buff um You know, there's like films like High Fidelity, which is one of my favorite movies, you know, based on a guy that that loves music. Uh, And then you've got, like I said, like Forrest Gump and things like that. Um, But I bought, uh, oh my God, it's, why am I having such a massive brain fart right now? And I made Melissa listen to the soundtrack because it like had like Tori Amos on it and Chris Cornell and like, um, oh my God. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm totally shitting the bed on this one uh I'll, we'll come back to it <laughs> but right. but but film and and music have just had and, and you think about it you go back to the day, days of like silent films where there was no speaking and there was just background music
1: yeah sure. you know
0: so it's like music really goes right along with it like from the beginning uh, for me as a music fan I think I really fell in love with music when I was like nine seeing an Elvis Presley movie and was like this dude's just getting up on a table singing to a bunch of people in a restaurant and everybody in the world is paying attention to it. Like there's something magical about that. Yeah. You know? So what was your first intro, like big introduction to music? Like what got you playing music and what got you falling in love with music?
1: Okay. Um, I think when I was, when I was like, i mean there was always music in my house for sure like my my, my dad, dad plays rock right? and yeah you know my, my dad's a guitar player and has a band and writes and writes um and i think when i was like i think the first the first stuff that i really gravitated i mean there was there was music that I liked a lot before before this. Like I remember, I my, my dad taught me how to make a mixtape, and I had this mixtape. Best had,
0: ever. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I had a mixtape that just had some of my favorite songs, and they were bizarre. It was like, you know, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Bullet Butterfly Wings, into mm-hmm. ironic by Lannis Morissette, set into. Uh, I forget the name of the band, but they had, they had this hit in the nineties that went, if you want, no, 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 not, not that one. Um, uh, look around your world. Pretty baby. Is it every, Oh yeah. I, don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know they had a strange name. Um, but stuff like that. Um, but I was, I, when I was nine years old, I became overly fascinated with the film Saturday night fever, which oh, okay. oddly enough, and I got really into disco music through that film. And I just I just loved it. I loved the, the Bee Gees became my favorite band. I started dressing like uh, John Travolta, and <laughs> really obsessed with that. And then oddly enough, and then, you know, because because of that obsession, I got really into like 70s culture and uh, started playing guitar because of Barry Gibb. And for some reason, I think, you know, the other like 70s icons as a band that I thought of and like I had witnessed images of and I was like just had this association of like, okay, this is also the 70s was Kiss, which is so interesting because it's like (laughs) the idea of the idea of like those two worlds and my and like my love and appreciation for both of them. It's like I'm basically having fist fights in my head. If you right. think about like, like that era, mm-hmm. like, you know, the whole disco sucks movement and everything like that. <laughs> but when I think about it in terms of like what I love now, it kind of makes sense to me, especially with my own band, because, you know, we do have this like dance element to us but we're also really heavy so it's like that kind of first like now i think about it, i'm like of course that makes sense that my two favorite bands were the bgs and kiss because yeah. like this is sort of this is oddly enough how we got here like and how like industrial music got here and goth and you know and just hundred like, percent pop in general. It's like there's so you know the first like the first drum loop was on Saturday Night Fever, and anybody who denies that is wrong. Sorry to say, but you yeah. know it's like it's like that's uh it's sorry not Saturday Night Fever, staying alive, but yeah like it's it's interesting. So actually, I'd say like that film was really like a big push musically for me. And that's
0: you know, you know, as as much as like the punk movement like talked shit on disco as the 70s were ending, sure, you really wouldn't have it without the disco, you know. Um, sure. because even even like earlier punk beats and earlier like clash stuff, there's a dancey element to that. Big time. It it it's not, you know, it, it differs from maybe the New York City punk, but i mean come on the ramones if the ramones don't make you bop your head the first band ever really called a punk band and make you want to dance like you you don't have you don't love music yeah you know um so it's it's interesting but it's it's funny as you talk about kiss like growing up i never for some reason i never got into kiss and um My son's 11 now, and a a couple years ago, he made me buy him a Kiss record. I was like, I can't believe I'm buying you a Kiss record, (laughs) you know? Like, like, but I'm never gonna say no to him when it comes to music, you know? So I'm like, if this is something that's sparking something in you, then cool, I'm gonna fucking get it for you. But and we were like sitting eating dinner, and I I started busting out into I was like, I was made for loving you. He's like, Dad, I thought you don't like Kiss, and I'm like, I don't love Kiss, but that fucking song is catchy it's genre bending it's i, I can't i'm not denying that <laughs> you know I'd, I'd just be an idiot if i said it, i that i wouldn't um it finally came to me the soundtrack i was talking about great expectations
1: oh yeah
0: killer fucking soundtrack i mean like i said tori amos chris cornell scott wyland yeah. uh in some of his first solo stuff and I got that. I got it for a dollar. And I remember listening to that soundtrack so much, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, um, and loving that movie because it was um, you know, it was a very different film for the time. And uh, you know, movies have always been a, a big love for me. So I, I I bought it and I put it on while I was like cooking dinner and <laughs> I made Melissa listen to it. I was like, I was like, no, this is one of my favorite Tori Amos songs. <laughs> you know, I was like. Yeah, I'm a hardcore kid. I'm covered in tattoos, but yeah, I've seen Tori Amos live like five times. I'm not gonna, <laughs> you
1: know, Player.
0: Yeah, yeah, she, she she fucking rules. Um, but yeah, the the marriage between music and and movies is it it is so deep. Uh, you know, yep. just like you were saying with you know like Saturday Night Fever and things like that. I mean, you think about like the movie Grease. You know, like hey, also
1: the... also written by the BGS.
0: Yeah. Yeah, how, how do you feel about the uh, Foo Fighters' Bee Gees record?
1: I don't know it. Did they do a like they did a Bee Gees cover record? They
0: covered. Yeah, you I dude, you gotta
1: know it. I I gotta find it. I
0: mean, it, so cool. I oh, mean, wow. I just I, I love I'm that. Really... I love that someone like Dave Grohl, who is known for a band that like really you know helped change music, like Nirvana, going back and like. Paying homage to a band like the Bee Gees, I was like, "That's so rad!" Yeah, it's really good.
1: I mean, yeah. you know, good, good songs are good songs, and, right. and that's, that's just the end of it. But the, the, despite the genre, and also like the Bee Gees had a really, uh, they have a very like before, you know, before Fever and and all their and their kind of like contribution to disco, like their early '60s stuff is very very like beatles and you know yeah. very rock and roll mm. um so you know i i and obviously dave Grohl is a music historian is one of the great music historians of our time so i that yeah. that makes sense to me and i think that's really cool i got to find that i wasn't even aware
0: yeah it they they did um uh god it was probably six seven months ago or so but it, it, it's super rad. And I even felt like it fell under the radar because um, I saw it at my record store during um, record store day, and I didn't know what it was yet. Mm. I didn't know that it was the Foo Fighters. And I passed up on grabbing the vinyl and then found out about it like three weeks later. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, I had that record in my hand and I put it down. I'm like, I'm so bad at myself. Um, but yeah, very, very cool. Um, you know, again, somebody that's uh just keeping it going. I mean, I, I kind of joke around about it all the time, and I'm like, you know, like when you know, there's that whole phrase like rock and roll is dead and things like that. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I don't know, babe girl is still holding on to that. You know, he's got that thing where I mean, now they've made a movie, you know, yeah, I again, that. as we're marrying music and movies, yeah. Um, I was actually thinking about going to see it tonight because I'm oh, like, yeah. It's it definitely it, it dabbles in the, you know, kind of cheesy horror movie genre, which I love, you know, like the whole aspect that they're going to record their record and it's haunted. And I'm like, dude, that's right on my alley. You're marrying music, horror movies. I'm like, you know, talk dirty to me.
1: <laughs> it's fun. I enjoyed it. You know, I, I it, it's funny, too. Like, I think a lot of people and I sort of had the same reaction at first. I'm like, wait, why, why are the Foo Fighters making a movie? And then, you know, I I, I kind of started thinking about their career and like when and their music videos and stuff like that. And like, naturally, this makes sense. You know, they yeah, always- their
0: videos act- were cinematic from right out of the
1: gate and they acted in them and they were funny. And, you know, they they had it was just a big, big piece of the band. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job. The score is excellent, too. Uh, yeah. It's um, it's Roy Roy Mc. McGorda, McMorta, um, mm-hmm. drummer of Nausea, and oh, uh, really? Yeah, uh, Nausea, Soulfly. Uh, he did some. Uh, what's that uh, band with Corey Taylor? Stone Sour. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did. I I never really listened too much to his solo stuff, but he's he's a total synth wizard, especially with modular stuff and i've watched i have watched videos of him explaining it and like showing his giant like bukla machine and everything but i thought he did a great job it was it's really good i didn't i i don't know if he's i i have to look up his imdb if he's done much more stuff but i really i i was impressed it's 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 worth a watch the cameos are funny um the the gore and the violence is really good
0: <laughs> yeah uh, i'm all about good uh, just just give me good kill scenes totally. you know I was ever, everybody's been like living on both sides of the fence on the new texas chainsaw massacre that's on netflix and i enjoyed it just because i thought the kills were good i thought the cinematography was good and i was like
1: kill- i mean
0: you're you're not yeah, the kills were great. I'm like, you're not coming to this for like Oscar worthy performance. <laughs> I thought it was
1: pretty good, to be honest with you. I thought yeah. it, I liked it. I thought it smoked the new Halloween personally. Like, I was, I was, I, I went into it with low expectations and was like, yeah, same. I
0: thought that was good. I thought, it good. I, I, I thought the, yeah, I thought Halloween, Halloween kills definitely let me down. Um, yeah. The one before it, I thought was really good. I thought, so ha- too. And then they had that trajectory, and it was just—I was like, "I'm like, how did you fall off so hard on a on a good trajectory?" Um, it just wasn't there. Were there good kill scenes? Yeah, but so much of the movie, I think, just missed the mark. Yeah,
1: evil you know, dies evil dies tonight. I'd like by the ninth time they said that, I was like, "I'm done." Just-
0: yeah, you know, them all rallied in the hospital, like, "Yeah, we're gonna go get them. and yeah. I was like. You know, it just reminded me of like, I was like, oh, so are you trying to pay homage to like, let's go get Frankenstein's monster, Yeah, you know, but on a really cheesy level.
1: Exactly. um, And then they kill, and then they kill that special needs guy that literally has like, no, no, (laughs) like doesn't, no (laughs) resemblance to Michael Myers
0: whatsoever. (laughs) Not even. Complete
1: Rimbati type, like can't doesn't walk it's just it was yeah it was just i i understand the point of it and everything but yeah i didn't i it it didn't really do it for me i mean that's halloween you know speaking of movies that you know where where scores come into play so much like that's definitely a huge inspiration on like any of my film composition i think john carpenter John Carpenter is incredible Um, and I'm I Halloween you know still to this day might be my favorite horror movie of all time so I'll I'll go see and appreciate any of them no matter what they are but it was a little bit of a letdown
0: yeah yeah John Carpenter and and I find that so interesting that he he can make great films and then score the great film and and part of me in my in my mind I'm always like Is it because he's a great filmmaker or is it because he's a great composer? (laughs) You know, like, because when he's shooting these things, is he hearing what's behind it and then going for the emotion and vice versa? Like, I would love to to pick that man's brain on that. Same. You know, because he hits both sides of it, you know, brilliantly. Mm. That's that's hard to do. I mean, got it.
1: He's got a good cameo in studio six 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 as well nice fun to see him and I think he actually wrote he wrote the theme too, which is cool
0: oh yeah I mean yeah I mean that just says something if dave Grohl is is like releasing like writing aspects of music to somebody else, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be somebody that you know he feels can really kill it
1: yeah
0: for sure um So uh, do you have uh, some new projects that you're working on uh, any new music from Contra cult? Like what do you have going on uh, kind of right now that you can talk about?
1: Um, I have another score coming out uh, for another um, adult film that I worked on with um, another great filmmaker named Max Disgrace. Um, The film is called ruptured and uh, it's, super the the film itself is really cool um it's i guess they i it it, it it's a you know porn horror horror porn i suppose you could say yeah. and um i loved i really really loved working on this score it's probably one of my favorites so i'm releasing that april 15th um through my uh personal my personal spotify page which is uh svart sounds so s-v-a-r-t sounds um and then i have another uh another one i'm gonna do after that called breathless um i did just finish a film that i'm really excited about there's no release date for that um with my friend scott and then um we have another Uh, Contra Cold has another record in the can. We released a couple, two singles from it pretty relatively recently. One's called Plunge and the other one is called Meek. And we're hoping to get our full length out by the fall. We're still debating if we're going to work with certain label, a certain label or or release it ourselves. So we're kind of uh, waiting on that. And yeah and then a couple more films uh booked for the year that are still uh you know still they'll still those too fresh to give names on or director yeah, yeah for sure like that
0: but um, no it's great it's great that you have stuff kind of like you know queued up to 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 work on um yeah. keep that creative juice flowing and um again it, it's an art that you're I, you know, in all reality is still in the infant stage for you. So it's pretty awesome to, to kind of see like where that, wh- where that can go is pretty rad. Uh, you know, again, I've always, uh, you know, you're, you're marrying two things that, that make perfect sense, um, <clears throat> you know, and you have that background in both, which is, uh, you know, giving you that, that little bit of a, a push per se, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited, you know, with, uh even for the Contra Cult uh, new stuff. i um, hoping to see you drop that record and hope you make it to New York for a show. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> same you same. know, uh, you know, growing up, you know, uh, as you know, well, I mean, you were technically, you were born in California, right? I was, or,
1: Um, but like-
0: But mainly grew up
1: here. On, it was when my folks were on location, so I definitely- right, right myself more of a New Yorker, you know. Yeah, some, yeah, you know,
0: I'm, I, I'm a New Yorker. That
1: Papa had an argument with me about me about that, but oh,
0: really? That's funny. You know,
1: some 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 purists feel differently, but that's that's how I feel, and I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. um Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I, you know, born and raised in New York, but every time I step foot in California, I'm like, this is where I want to be. Um, you like, know. Uh, I'm, you know, Melissa and I, our, our future is definitely California. Awesome. Uh, you know, uh, eventually, that's just, it's just so much more of, I think, kind of just where I was at. I mean, at, at 17 on my first like real tour that I was ever on, when we got to California, I, it was very eye opening for me and very, uh, I lived there when I was a very little. My sister was born there, actually, my younger oh. sister, but I was like a year old. Uh, right. my mom said I was like belly flopping on a skateboard before I could walk. <laughs> and and all I wanted to do was like go out on like Sunday afternoons when all the low riders would come out. And, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so uh you know, I'm looking forward to you know, and definitely this summer, uh, Melissa and I are talking about definitely an LA trip. It's 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 uh it's due. We're both due for one. It's been awesome. a while. So we'll have to uh we'll have to hook up and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang and get some dinner. But like I said, you know, my my last episode, you know, Pete Mills of The Sweet Kill, um, uh, you know, another great, great producer, songwriter. If you haven't heard that record yet, Darkness, definitely check that one out. Uh, I think you'll dig it uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, that's where I, I keep getting stuck. I'm like, oh, you know, like right now these days, so much of the bands I'm listening to and just the feel that I'm looking for is all in, in California. And I'm like, New York, I love you, but you're killing me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's everyone's weird. like well the traffic is just as bad in california and i'm like it's not just the traffic it's
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I'm-
0: oh man it's it's you, it's, you a
1: live with it. it's the same it's like it's like complaining that the subways are crowded you just figure it out
0: yeah yeah absolutely um so um you uh what what else do you have now your studio uh mm-hmm. for you as far as as recording where can people kind of locate that for you
1: um that's in my apartment out here in LA um a it's you know i can't really do a full ledge metal band in here but um yeah
0: hard to hard to put those uh, rack toms in an apartment yeah.
1: <laughs> um you can visit my website though uh svart sounds so s v a r t sounds.com. And, um, yeah, if you're looking to do something, shoot me an email. Um, you know, I'm a little, I'm like just a little more, uh, choosy about the production side of what I do, but, um, I definitely like to meet new artists and look for new artists, especially, especially people that, you know, really want to think outside the box and aren't like, aren't prone to, uh, you know i want my band to sound like this other band or something yeah yeah anything that's kind of outside of that i'm definitely still really interested in doing and occasionally i'll take like mixing and mastering jobs on the side if if something comes along
0: yeah something you like and you're like all right i got i got a little block of time i'm open with yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah when when you're out like seeing music so let's say you go to a show there's a great opening band like Have you even, is there been like musicians or bands that you've kind of sought out and are like, Hey, I love your sound. I'd love to work with you. Is that something that you're also seeking from your end?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, just like innovative artists and people and, and, you know, something, something a little different is, is always a good one. Um, I haven't really made that connection too strongly yet, like from, seeing a band out here but definitely definitely a couple people that i've like put some feelers out for um yeah i think the most recent one which i i i got connected to through a friend of mine and it wasn't really like seeing seeing them live but um it's this artist named enrique javier uh enriquez sorry enrique javier um jesus and i think you said uh,
0: enriquez because we were talking about chris (laughs) yeah
1: different guy but yeah yeah, i mean like he uh his roommate his roommate came to me and basically said you know i have my roommate makes music and he wants to do he just he feels what he really wants in his life is like He's worked with these pop producers, and they're just not really bringing this edge on on him. But like, his biggest influences are Sade, Madonna, Marilyn Manson, and Nine Inch Nails. It's like, wow. I'm sold. Yes. Like, yeah. L- yes. Let me hear that. Yeah, because we can <laughs> we can make all that happen in one in one project, and it can be really fucking good. You know, when I hear something more like that, I'm excited. When I hear something like, I want to sound like Boy Harsher. It's just yeah. not, you know, it just doesn't really get, it just doesn't really get me going. No disrespect to Boy Heischer, by the way. No, no,
0: no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah it's more just it, like,
1: it, it's like this carbon copy kind of band worship thing. I mean, I've never, I've just never really understood it or been into that uh, so much, you know? Like I've always kind of thought like, like, like even like my first discovery of something like D-Beat, I'm like, wait, so there's just tons of bands that want to sound that, Sound exactly like Discharge and right. write the logo the same way and put "Dis" in front of their band, like I don't get it. but us just yeah. not, not for me.
0: No, you you can tell, you know, when when you're trying to sound like something, yeah, it's very hard to be sincere. Mm-hmm. So when all that is kind of removed from it, you know, it it loses its flavor. You know, um, I agree. And uh, that's where that that's where things go awry. I mean you know for for as much as i'm always looking to discover new music i 100% skip past 90 bands before i find one you know because there are those there there are those carbon copies there are those i've even left bands that i've been in because the conversations started to go more towards i want to sound like and i'm like no yeah. You know, like whatever. I don't I don't give a shit I'll say it. Yeah. I I was I started taking back Sunday. Did we sound like Taking Back Sunday does when I was in the band? No. But when the conversations were let's wear skinny ties and we want to sound more like Saves the Day, I was mentally checked out. <laughs> I I don't I don't play yes. music to sound like anybody else. Yes. Yeah. You know, I play music to to tell a story and to to share something musically. You know, um, so it's like, listen, you know, I'm not trying to trying to shit on those guys. But at the same time, you know, as a 20 something year old, I I want my mark to be my mark. I, I don't want it to be a, someone's carbon copy. For sure. You
1: know, and, you know, they, they the, I, I definitely think they came out of that and yeah now they sound like taking back sunday but right yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean my my buddy fred you know marciano who was in the band after john left i mean you know that that guy i don't think he's written a a, a song that i haven't liked throughout all his years whether it was his band brody or baking breaking pangea the color of fred i mean that guy, you know um and uh, you know it's it's funny because i know even john john and i grew up together uh john nolan and you know, I know where his roots of music writing are at and, you know, you, you kind of feel it sometimes now and I'm like, you know, good, good for them. You know, I'm not trying to knock them necessarily, but it wasn't the road I wanted to go down at that time. You know, I was like a little more heavier and melodic as opposed to poppy and melodic. Right. Um, but, you know, to each his own. And, you know, I'm, I'm a different person. They're a different band. So like kudos to them, you know, <laughs> But um, I really appreciate you hanging out with me uh, yeah. on a Saturday afternoon, talking yeah. shit about music and movies. Uh yeah. definitely fun. Um, look forward to all the stuff ahead. You know, let, let us know when you're coming to New York and I will 100% let you know when we're coming to Cali.
1: Will do. Sounds good.
0: Great all right, you. my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend um and uh again thanks for being on the nobody speaks podcast where i started this podcast because i wanted to stop fighting with people and talk to people about things that i love like music and movies and and just life and not argue about politics so this was a fun time awesome all right thank you no problem take care be good you too